Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast, where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to be learning about how to measure phosphorus levels in the diet of cattle. Now, if you haven't already listened to our previous episode on phosphorus, I suggest you press pause and go back and listen to that one first before continuing on with this episode. Phosphorus deficiencies vary across Northern Australia. It is important to determine if your mob has access to adequate phosphorus in their diet before planning a supplementation strategy to ensure supplementation is not only effective but providing a return on investment. In planning this episode, I referred to a number of resources, including the book Why Do Cattle Need Phosphorus? A Guide for Northern Beef Producers, which is available for free online at the Meat and Livestock Australia website. I'll put a link to this booklet in the show notes below. In this episode, I will be joined by Dr. Jeff Neath. Jeff is a former director of the Large Animal Teaching Clinics at the University of Queensland Veterinary School, based in Gundawindi, and past president of both the Australian Cattle Veterinarians and Australian Veterinary Association. He is currently working as a consultant to Meat and Livestock Australia. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be back. So how can we determine if a mob of cattle have access to adequate phosphorus in their diet? Well, first up, I guess there's the uh, clinical signs, um, and they're the usual signs of peg leg. However, once you see clinical signs, the horse is really bothered. Uh, so it's not, the, it's not the diagnostic method of choice is to look for clinical signs and determine whether you need to feed phosphorus. The purpose of diagnosing your efficiency is really to have an early intervention. For people that may not be familiar with peg leg, can you just describe what it looks like? Well, peg leg usually is seen in um, young breeder cows, probably in low-condition score, that have lactated through either the whole of the wet season or at the end of the wet season. They usually have a hunched back and they're proper in their gait and show signs of lameness. Uh, it's quite a classical. Once you've seen it, you won't uh, miss it. Once cattle get peg leg, is there anything you can do to reverse it or is it kind of once they've got it, 
they're done. Depends how bad they have it, of course, and what damage is done to the bones. But certainly, it can it can be reversed if it's if it's uh, only mild uh, and they're fed uh, phosphorus, uh, and they can build up their reserves and and uh, recover. So okay. yeah, they do. But if they've got if they've got broken bones or damage to their to their joints, then they might never ever get over it um, completely. Okay, and so if cattle get phosphorus from the pastures they eat. Could we measure the level of phosphorus in the pastures? Is that one way that we could test? Oh, yes, uh, pasture samples are, are a good indication uh, of phosphorus levels, but the, but the problem is uh, working out what pastures eat. So if, if you can actually follow the animal around and uh, gather the pastures that they're eating, then you'll know exactly what plants they're eating, what species, and whether they're deficient. But the problem is when we go out and collect p- pastures, we're not actually collecting the pastures that the animals are always eating. Ah, okay, I see. And so what about, I feel like, well, I suppose with humans, a lot of things are diagnosed through a urine test. Can we figure out how much phosphorus is available to cattle in their diet through a urine test? Absolutely not, no. Uh, urine's okay. If they're getting a heap of phosphorus, it'll eventually get excreted in the urine and become an indicator of phosphorus when there's a lot of phosphorus in the diet. But the main route of excretion of phosphorus from ruminants is via the faeces, so we need to do a dung test. Okay, so we can cross urine off the list and pasture samples off the list and clinical signs. What about, I see, I read, I've read about measuring the bone density or the thickness of the cortex, but I'm not really sure what that means. What is that and is that useful as well? Well, that's a very useful indicator and it has been used in the past to determine that animals have been on a uh, deficient diet of phosphorus for quite a while. Basically what happens is they draw the phosphorus out of the bones and the bones uh, lose bone density. So they're getting thinner and more brittle and fragile. However, it's the same sort of deal as peg leg. Once you you know that you've got a phosphorus deficiency by looking at the bones, uh, the horses are going bolted because you really need to be addressing this long before they get to that stage. Okay, so we'll cross that one off the list too then. What about soil testing? I know there's a few producers out there who collect soil samples and send them off. How does that work and is it any good? Well, well, soil, soil testing should really be the ultimate test. However, the problem is um, because soil, soil pee drives pasture pee uh, and that's what it's all about. But the problem with soil is that there's great variation in in soils so with even within a paddock you can have different land types and different soils so animals can be eating plants uh, that are grown in certain soil types which are deficient but then they might may uh, be eating other plants that are like in the riparian areas or flood out areas where, which are high in peat so you don't actually you have to do a lot of soil tests to be um, confident in your results that you get if you've got a homogenous type paddock with the same soil throughout the whole lot of the paddock, then you can fairly confident. But if not, then you've got to get a lot of soil samples and they all have to be tested. And then you have to work out, you have to map where you got your samples from and look at the, um, look at the picture. And that might not even tell you uh, whether you need to feed phosphorus or not. Now, there's a particularly well-known study where you measured the soil, the phosphorus in the soil and it kind of gave you some confusing results at first. Can you talk us through that one? Oh, that was where we did a, a big research project where we were looking at uh, 
we were looking at the impact of phosphorus and feeding phosphorus over the dry season and over the wet season to see what response we got in breeding cattle. It was a very well-designed trial. We had walkover weighing. We had auto-drafters, so there was no paddock effect. All the cattle were eating the same pastures, but we were feeding phosphorus at the trough. When cattle came in, they were drafted either to a, to a trough where there was phosphorus or to, to uh, no phosphorus. And so, uh, and we used the, the faecal Peter ME test to help uh, determine that this was a phosphorus deficient paddock. But when we got into the trial and saw that the, the weights of the cows were around about 500 kgs, the weaners were doing very well. And we thought, thought to ourselves, self, this is not a phosphorus deficient paddock. And so we went back and bled, bled the animals and found it out that their PIP levels in, in the Marcus steers and also in the breeders was quite high and it wasn't phosphorus deficient. Now, that prompted us then to go and have a look at Google Maps and we Googled the paddock and we could see um, quite a significant amount of uh, red soil country on ridge country, which was nine parts per million. About a third of the paddock was nine parts per million red soil and uh, two-thirds was black open uh, plains which was only two parts per million. Now, the problem is in, in the early wet season, the red country probably responds more quickly to uh, small falls of rain, and so the feed comes away a lot quicker. And also in, in, uh, in the wet season, black soil becomes very boggy, so stock probably tend to prefer the red country because it's got more green pick after early storms. And I think this is probably what's happened. So we did not get any response whatsoever because during the wet season, the cattle were probably grazing in the red country and weren't phosphorus deficient. Oh, okay. And so you just mentioned then fecal, like doing a fecal test. So currently anecdotal evidence suggests that fecal sampling or dung sampling, as people call it, is the most common method of measurement. And by anecdotal evidence, I mean me talking to a lot of producers across the country. Can you talk us through what's involved in fecal sampling? Well, basically, why we, why there was a trend to move towards faecal testing, it was so easy. So you could just go out and collect some dung pats, a representative, mix them up, take a sample, dry it on a piece of tin, send it in, and they would do... Uh, they tested the body using FNIRS to test for the uh, digestibility and protein of the pastures, and they have very good uh, equations now to determine the quality of pasture from the FNIRS. And they would also do wet pee on the wet phosphorus, that is, analysis on the dung, and they'd come up with this ratio of um, faecal P to ME ratio, which was supposedly a diagnostic test to determine whether you needed to feed phosphorus. The problem is that the test was usually done in the dry season and uh, we really need to know whether we need to feed it over the wet season. That's number one. But number two was that um, that it's not accurate enough. In fact, it's not very accurate at all uh, when we're in marginal country. So it's, it's okay when you've got plenty of phosphorus and when you've got acutely deficient paddocks. But when you're in the marginal areas uh, and you need to know, then this test is probably not sensitive enough. Okay, so that brings us to our last but certainly not least method of testing for the available phosphorus in the diet of cattle, and that is blood testing. How does this work? 
blood testing works very well because it, the blood test is simply a test of um, you collect samples of blood from the tail up, up the crush, and that's probably one disadvantage. A, you've got to have the stock in the yard, and that's not always easy during the wet season, but you can do it at the end of the wet season, as soon as the wet season is dry enough to get out and muster, and the cattle are still on a positive plane of nutrition. It's very accurate. So uh, we send the blood samples away, and uh, we actually uh, take the blood. Uh, now we've uh, spin it down, and, and you can get uh, portable centrifuges or whatever, but if not, you can get it into a lab and get it sp- uh, spun down within as soon as possible, preferably within 48 hours, but as soon as possible after you take the blood, freeze it, freeze it in a freezer, and then get it off to the lab uh, any time in the next uh week or two or whatever because it's frozen it's going to last and so uh, we found that it's very reliable very accurate well much more accurate than the than the dunk test only problem is you have to have the cattle in the yard and so is it true that some of the fecal pee um tests have you know accuracy in this like in the 60 percent in the high 60s whereas the the blood test has closer to 90 percent accuracy no that's exactly right yeah and and not only that the standard error is a lot a lot smaller in the in the fecal in the um, in the blood test. So it was a lot. The blood test was a much more accurate, uh, much more correlated with the amount of uh, phosphorus that the animals are eating, whether it be supplement uh, as well as pasture or just pasture by itself. Now the other thing is, I guess the question that most producers want to uh, have answered is whether I need to feed phosphorus in the first place. Now if you've got so the PIP test, I think, can work in two ways. A, it can, if you've never supplemented it before, you use it to tell you whether you need to feed supplement over the wet season. And because you're wanting to know over the wet season, it's best to test over the wet season, not the dry season. You don't want to be testing animals over the dry season to, to work out whether you're putting out a supplement over the wet season. That's number one. Uh, num- number two is that... Uh, what we found in the pea challenge is that places that were supplementing or supposedly supplementing were coming back as acutely deficient. And in some places, then we can go back and say, well, even though you're supplementing, there's something going wrong here. Either you're not getting enough supplement out or you're using the wrong supplement or it's a distribution point and the cattle aren't getting to the supplement. So there are things you need to do. If you're supplementing and do the test and find out that you're still deficient, then you probably need to go back and look at monitoring how much you're putting out every week. Uh, are they eating it? And if they are eating it, is there enough pee in the supplement? Because there's uh, different brands of supplement out there. And if you're doing your own home brew, you might want to change the recipes, for instance. So I think that's got a lot of potential as as to when you get your supplementation program going is to work out whether you're, whether you're on the right course. Can I ask, as a ballpark figure, what percentage of phosphorus would you need in a supplement over the wet season? So I saw a on Facebook last night, actually, a supplement was advertised. Um, I'd never heard of the company before, but it was, it was advertised as a phosphorus supplement and it had 5% phosphorus. Is that enough? Is that, or how much phosphorus would you need? Well, it depends if 5%, but how much are they eating? And so that's really what you've got to get down to the bottom line is to whether they're eating 100 grams of supplement a day or 500 grams of supplement a day. 
And so that's only done by measuring the actual total amount of supplement they're eating. So once you get down to the nitty-gritty and the finer, finer details, you really need to work out how many grams of available phosphorus are being consumed a day. Now, most of the good brands of phosphorus, like the um, Biofos and um, Kynafos and all those, they're about 20% phosphorus. So they need, for an animal to be getting 10 grams of phosphorus, they need to be getting 50 grams of Kynafos. Then you have to look at how much Kynafos is going into the loose mix or Biofos or whatever you're putting in there. So after you've done your formulation and done your loose mix, work out to the nth degree, if you like, how many grams. And so for a wet cow over the wet season, it's roughly about 10 grams of phosphorus a day. And for a growing animal over the wet season, it's roughly about 5 grams. Now, this will vary a little bit uh, depending on how much they're growing and how much, um, how much deficiency you have. But basically, that's a ballpark figure which has been used, which stands up pretty well. Yeah, okay. So we'll certainly do another episode on that, on understanding lick labels and figuring that out because just from looking at this advert that I've got my phone in front of me now and it's um, this lick is advertised as a for cattle grazing on phosphorus-deficient country, but really what the information is on this advert isn't really enough to tell whether or not that's the right lick for you. So you definitely have to do, once you've done the test, you need to still have a, you've got a few more decisions to make. So to finish up, you kind of touched on it just before, but say somebody does want to, or hopefully establish their, the available phosphorus in the, in the diet of their cattle, and they're going to do either the fecal test or preferentially the blood test. When do we actually do this test? Is it important the time of year or can you just do it any time? When do you do it? And what, what type of cattle do you do it on? Well, it's, it's absolutely essential that you do it on cattle that are on a positive plane of nutrition, that is have adequate energy and protein in their diet to be actually putting on weight of whether it be 0.2 of a kilogram or 0.6 a kilogram or a kilogram a day. So preferably it's... If they're putting on uh, a kilogram a day, they'll need more phosphorus in their diet. But So you need to do it when the cattle are performing. And it's a lot more difficult to interpret your results over the dry season because phosphorus is not the limiting uh, nutrient over the dry season. It's, it's energy or protein. So um, you, t- you cannot make as much sense out of the test as you will if you're doing it over the wet season when it becomes the limiting uh, nutrient and you need to know Uh, whether you need to put more in the diet. It's as simple as that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 